Hello everyone, welcome to a new episode of Fun Boat Diplomacy. I'm sitting here in the beautiful Tier Garden in Berlin, and I'm here with Hamza Abbas. How are you doing today? I'm fine, I'm fine. I'm a bit tired, but I'm fine. What are you tired from? Oh, working, of course, but as everyone is, I guess. Yeah, tell, tell people where you're working right now. So right now I'm an intern at the French Embassy here in Berlin at the Political Chancery, and I'm here until the end of September doing some analysis of, um, of uh, scientific works given, sent by, by think tanks, German think tanks, and also like organization of practical stuff within the embassy. So what's some specific topics, some specific oh, things that you've, uh, that you've done? There's uh, um, a big diversity of, of what I'm supposed to work with. Uh, mostly international affairs related to French-German relations, but also what German think tanks um, produce on, um, on other countries like um, Currently, the big issues mainly Syria, Eritrea, Russia, and what it in, it implies uh, in the, the refugee refugee streams mm -hmm. uh, or the the commercial relations mm -hmm. with France and Germany. And so, the refugee thing is a big topic right now. Right now, it is. It is, and it is dealt differently in France and in Germany and we see that the German government is putting a lot of efforts uh, about this question and it is uh, unfortunately unbalanced in Europe today with four countries taking two-thirds of all refugee uh, refugees in Europe. Germany, Sweden, Italy and Austria are making a great job about refugees and how to manage the situation. It's not the case for other countries in Europe. This is why uh, these four countries are complaining right now and trying to find a solution with the European Commission on how to, to deal fairly with um, all 28 members of the EU on that matter so that all refugees do not just stay in four or five countries and the others do not take part in the effort. What's France's uh, role then? France is... Uh, does it, it doesn't take refugees, does it? It takes, of course, and we have a lot of uh, issues with refugees in southern France, mm -hmm. crossing the border with Italy, or in the north, uh, in my home region, uh, next to Calais, where people are trying to cross the, the, um, the, the Strait of Dover to reach mm -hmm. England. So, yes, it's right now a bit complicated in France because you have a lot of protests because many people consider that the government is not doing enough for these refugees and um, it is not well understood that we, we get 15 million euros from London to protect the harbour of Calais instead of finding a solution for these refugees. We act as the um, as the border the, security yeah the security of England yeah. and this is not well understood and the the fact is that the United Kingdom is not taking enough 
uh, refugees and taking enough part in the in this solidarity process in Europe but this refugee question and this question of uh, solidarity with Eng between England and the continent is just um, like all other questions England is not doing enough <laughs> and uh, and uh, this is just another example among plenty of examples when we can consider that England is not doing its job yeah um, and what's the uh, what's the sentiment in in France then about refugees actually uh, I consider that the medias the journalists does not are not talking enough about the issue mm -hmm. and it is still seen in France as something very far away something that happens but is not as big as uh, as it, it all actually the way over is there in like Italy or, or Greece that's what they, they see it so yeah, yeah, yeah. They see maybe. some boats in in Greece and uh, in Italy, also in Lampedusa and in Kos mm -hmm. Island, and they do not imagine that it will reach France. And it's another treatment of the information in Germany, completely different, where you have many volunteers doing their job uh, with full full hearted, and um, and um, mediatic treatment of the question that is daily. Uh, fully covered and um, and with 800,000 refugees uh, expected this year, Germany is going to be from far, by far, the, um, the, the biggest uh, receiver of, of refugees. And it, the, the last decision of Angela Merkel of not sending back uh, Syrian refugees to other countries of European Union where they had been registered, so because of the so-called Dublin uh, Agreement, um, is is uh, opposed because uh, we know that the con living conditions of these Syrian people, Syrian refugees in southeastern Europe, has been has been uh, not well handled, and Germany accepted to take this seriously and not send them back. So when it's a that, great decision. When was that decided upon? Just two days ago. Yeah, just two days. Ago. Yes, when uh, the Chancellor Angela Merkel was visiting. Uh, burnt uh, place, uh, burnt refugee yeah, uh, house attacks. in uh, in Saxony. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was after I guess I think it was last month where there's a very controversial, where a lot of people saw this video of Chancellor Merkel going up to this uh, Palestinian girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But actually, this is uh, quite disconnected because this uh, this Palestinian girl has been living in Germany for five or six years yeah, I guess so she's been a refugee for a long time she, this little girl is well integrated in Germany and actually uh, an, a permit residence permit procedure was already engaged before uh, Angela Merkel got to talk to her in this uh, citizen citizen talks that is organized this year in Germany called uh, um, good living in Germany Gutes Leben in Deutschland and um, this what happened the last few weeks in the whole country, not only in Eastern Germany, but in the whole Republic, has been considered as a shame by the Chancellor herself and by the, the federal president as well, Joachim Gauck, because you have a part of the population that has been taking it with full uh, motivation how to deal with this um, refugee question, and you still have a dark part of Germany 
uh, full of xenophobia that has been attacking uh, these uh, refugee centers uh, because they do not want them in their city. And, um, and that's why two days ago the Chancellor has been visiting uh, this place to reaffirm uh, strongly how, um, how Germany will deal with this question and uh, that there is absolutely no debate to have with that kind of barbarians. Right, right. Uh, it just seems that most of German, most of the Germans are, they want to be on the positive side. Yes, they help, they help a lot. There's, they this, send... there's a small, smaller minority that is, is, uh, is ruining in the media. I Indeed. Guess, this, this image of, yes. of Germany. Yes, and Germans are fully aware of what it means uh, to be covered by media when there is a, a racist attack somewhere. Uh, so they just, are doing. Just two days ago, I think. Yeah. There's the, the on here in Berlin on the S41. Yes. Uh, this. Uh, so what happened was uh, a family has been uh, has been assaulted yeah. by by two neo-nazis and they urinated on them on the child yes yeah. yes and this family still didn't go to the police to to Did make they a find complaint. this family or no no because no. they just kept going on the line yeah, and yeah, then yeah, the police they, got the, the two neo-nazis that was not the kind of people that were like uh, in a in a way of thinking that they would go to the police directly right. it, it seems like it's a Roma family yeah they're from Eastern Europe and they do not uh, they do not seem to have great contacts with the police mm. even if they are victims yeah so this is why the police is still asking them to come to to their uh, to their office to make an official complaint otherwise it will be quite complicated legally to to make, to to start a procedure against these two people and um, so generally in Germany they're okay with refugees and yes I think so but, I mean of but course in, but in France of course like, uh, we still wonder how it will be on the long term because right now yes people are helping but the government is trying to make the population accept the idea that it will not just be the summer and that uh, it will take a long time maybe years um, to get the situation stabilized in in the Middle East or in in some parts of Europe like Ukraine um, so that these people will stay here and this will be the major issue according to the Chancellery uh, for the next years in France it's quite complicated as I told you people do not see it as um, as, um, as something that happens next to them even though it does and uh, some politicians are even complaining that the, the municipality of Paris has been opening uh, f closed um, high schools to, to put the refugees inside. And, uh, and they consider that they should stay home or they make some kind of, of very discriminatory comments about this, especially the conservatives. So we, we don't see it as a question that is connected to us in France and uh, this is a pity. So we would see in the next weeks how the, the public opinion and how the, our government will react to this issue because we are is there going something coming in the up wall. Now? Is there something coming up now for policy? No. No? No. Okay. It's still, they talk about the refugees as they are talking about China. Yeah. Like, 
as if it doesn't really happen. And, and when it comes down to it, it seems uh, that the status quo will be that Germany will take them, <laughs> something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I back to Germany. It'll be it's it's very interesting to me that as as a was more conservative government with Angela Merkel. Uh, their policy is to accept refugees. Well, it's not that conservative. It's a coalition between the Social Democrats and the Conservatives right, right now. So, so you still have a, a bit of a, social democracy inside. Right, right. And uh, this is not a conservative party that can be seen just as like... It's not the Republicans from course, the US. Of course, that's what's interesting um, to me. There is uh, some kind of paternalism that exists in the German conservative tradition. And... Um, like social Bismarckism or something related to uh, the role of the state um, in Germany that makes it clear as a Christian party that they will help. So it is not uh, something surprising um, from the German conservatives since it's a Christian party, uh, they have this paternalistic tradition and they, they said they would help where help is asked. Uh, that's what Angela Merkel said two days ago. Germany will help where help is needed. So it's actually quite, quite uh, coinciding with what uh, what they usually say. Yeah. It's no surprise. Else and you, as an American, tell me what you think I just think about so. this refugee question. I heard like Barack Obama said, uh, made a statement. The White House made a statement yesterday or two days ago, I don't remember, but the last 48 hours, mm -hmm. that um, they were applauding the, um, the decision of Angela Merkel of not sending back Syrian refugees, and they were praising the engagement uh, of the German citizens in the crisis. But Americans what else? really don't give they, a shit about what happens yeah, exactly, in the, like, in the uh, Union. Thank you. President Obama to give us uh, your congratulations, <laughs> but if you could give us some some dollars as well uh, to handle this crisis or, or in the Middle it East, better. really understand it, it would be it would be nice to such allies as us. Yeah, well, for me, so for the Americans don't actually even know. I don't think that this is going on. A most, big issue, most yeah. Of them don't. And then uh, the role of the United States would be either to actively help, like you said, with dollars, or uh, enter into a phase of better Middle East policy. So Both are needed. <laughs> On short term, what we need is money to, um, to host correctly all these refugees. Mm -hmm. uh, and of course, then there is this matter of a better um, Middle East policy. But the thing is that I consider that it's going in a quite good direction right now since um, Secretary of State uh, Kerry met uh, the Minister of Foreign Affairs Lavrov with different uh, Arab uh, representatives mm -hmm. and it's the first time for years that we get a decision or at least a conference uh, with all regional actors that are productive. Russians are not blocking anymore the fact that maybe Bashar al-Assad would not be staying at the power and Chinese are not blocking either. We had last week a statement, just a statement of course, it's, but it's a, it's a good start from the Security Council uh, about the Syrian crisis and it's the first time that Moscow and, and Beijing are not 
blocking it. So it's a good start. Um, Moscow is irritated by the behavior of, uh, of Damascus and we might see few changes in the, in, the few, in the next few months as well as the fact that the, we reached this agreement with, with, uh, with Tehran that makes it easier to have another actor mm -hmm. on, the, on the regional scene the problem is we don't know how how Tehran will react as it is a great ally of uh, Bashar al-Assad. Of course, we don't know how. I mean, we don't know. I don't know <laughs> how um, how the country will uh, will react with um, with with Syria. But I guess Iran wants to to securize to safe its uh, new place on the international scene. And uh, and we could we could see some moves, especially on the fight against ISIS, yeah. because Iran is completely against ISIS as well. So we could find new allies in the region to fight terrorism, if we reach agreements again, not just a statement from the Security Council of the UN. What do you think about this deal from I guess three three weeks ago? For a month ago, this with, deal with uh, with Iran, the nuclear oh, deal. Oh, um, it was on the fourteenth of July. Yeah, right. The National Day in France. That's yeah. why I remember it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Even the Americans. Well, some Americans. I think it's that. very good. I think it's very good. It's a very good start. Uh, let's not forget that uh, Iran doesn't even have a bomb exactly. and that uh, we have 400 uh, nuclear heads in France uh, in the US I don't know how many thousands you have Russia, but uh, and Russia as well and so, suddenly also well you have to remember Israel also uh, of course in the region and um, I consider a pity that every time um, Benjamin Netanyahu is making a statement, it should be considered as a law. Right, um, right. The, the advice of uh, Benjamin Netanyahu is a respectable advice, but it should not be taken as um, more uh, pricey and more right. uh, valuable than the others. And we know technically, like it's automatically blocking. Israel is automatically blocking any kind of agreement. Um, with uh, Iran or even with the neighbors. Mm -hmm. The US uh, have agreed with Israel that they would not sell um, equally uh, modern or technological, equally uh, leveled um, weapons to Saudi Arabia or Israel. Mm -hmm. Like they have a technological advance on all neighbors because of this agreement. Of this agreement. Mm -hmm. And um, they are blocking like quite a lot of, of, of things even though they have internal problems that they seem not to be willing to solve so I think we will uh, with this agreement uh, that uh, Barack Obama and your Secretary of State uh, reached with us the European Union in Vienna um, we can have a good start to fight terrorism in the Middle East and prepare an alternative to um, to the current power in in Syria. Mm -hmm. But do you, are you <laughs> are you at all optimistic about uh, let's say the fight against ISIS? Oh uh, no, yeah. no, because I think nobody has the courage to do what is supposed to be done, except our president that was ready in 2013 to go uh, to, to Syria and suddenly um, the US president, let me uh, recall it, and the British Prime Minister uh, David Cameron just didn't go and uh, we were ready to go because in France we have some values 
and uh, and you you just gave up at the last minute, and of course France cannot go alone. But again, but do you um, think military action is the right move? Right now, I don't see anything else. But maybe I'm too blind and too uh, war uh, loving. But no, no, I'm not war loving. But I consider that uh, we cannot reach anything in Syria uh, with just some. Um, bombings on some yes. on some targets and uh, not putting real measures uh, we need the help of the Russians that's what we've always forget forgotten and at uh, least cooperation just not not I think it will be Maybe military as well. Yeah. Don't forget that the, the Russians have uh, military uh, bases in Syria right, on the right. coast, yep. and uh, they have uh, influence in Syria. Of course. So we could reach uh, some kind of uh, of agreement with the Russians to to fight ISIS more concretely. We also need a better cooperation of Turkey because mm -hmm. Turkey is playing a double role all the time. Exactly. Uh, who am I fighting? Who am I not fighting? Who am I helping? Who am I not helping? And even if um, Turkey right now is not anymore helping so much ISIS, there is a lot of finance that uh, goes from Turkey to uh, other jihadist groups right. in, um, in, in Syria because uh, Erdogan was not so friend anymore with Bashar al-Assad and took it personally and said, oh, I would just give money to uh, the other jihadists. But the fact is that uh, when he agreed on the uh, on the use of the um, airbase of uh, Incilink uh, by the American army, he went himself to bomb the PKK, right. and 17 of the 21 bombings were targeting only PKK. PKK. And uh, the last um, the last uh, um, known amount of that was about 700 I guess soldiers of PKK that were not that were fighting themselves against ISIS right right and got a bombing from Turkey right so for me this is a scandal right this is a real scandal because the, um, the reconciliation process in Turkey was well engaged uh, but since he lost the elections uh, he didn't really lost he just got 42 percent but uh, or around 40 but I Since think he, he lost, plays the same sort of game that he just that, wants that the Netanyahu whole country plays. to vote again for him yeah. and to give him a majority at the parliament so that he can change the constitution and get all powers to the yeah, president. He, he plays the same game that Netanyahu plays. And uh, now we will have new elections in Turkey, and we don't know how it will be. But he bombed the PKK only to make people angry so that he gets new elections. To he hopes get a new majority and be be free like between 2002 and and uh, 2015 mm -hmm. so we don't know we don't know the role of turkey will be uh, essential on the fight against isis because uh, most of uh, most foreign fighters uh, go through turkey right and this is those two girls from austria it is impossible it is impossible to imagine that turkey cannot control its borders mm -hmm. It is impossible to imagine. It's the, the border is huge. Yes, it's, it's enormous. But Turkey is Turkey. It's the second biggest army of NATO, and it should be able to control its border. It's the second biggest army. Yes, of after the U.S. Yeah. And uh, in number of fighters. Yeah. And so I guess it's uh, there is a real issue on on the real fight against ISIS, 
and that the Turkish government is not taking seriously. Well, let's turn now to you and not international politics. <laughs> <laughs> Tell uh, the listeners a little bit about yourself, uh, your background, your because it's interesting to me. The first time I met you, you told me about uh, Algeria, all, all this stuff about Algeria. Uh, yeah, I, unfortunately, I don't know so much about it. I've been there twice. I'm a third-generation immigration from Algeria in northern France. My granddad uh, arrived from there like five years after the war, the Second World War, to work in the mines. Uh, so he was a coal miner in, uh, in yeah in the region of Lille, and um, and so I'm third generation now because I was born '91 and he came in the '50s, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah I've been there twice when I was eight and twelve and I I mean I don't remember so much actually but it's a it's a very beautiful country. Unfortunately, blocked in politics, and uh, it's not that? a dictature, but it's not a democracy. Um, Why is it that it's blocked? Because uh, the country is controlled by by um, by the army, and it's quite conservative, uh, even if it's supposed to be socialist. You mm -hmm. know, it's a it's a socialist conservatism. Uh, people do not want anything. I mean, the government doesn't want anything to change. Um, they are all over 70 or 80 year old. It's like uh, the government of the Soviet Union right before it fell. Right. Algeria looks like this today. Um, is, but is it going to fall, you predict? I don't know. I don't think so. What I can say is that it's fully corrupt and that uh, we, I mean, not fully, but um, it's very hard to, to, to make uh, business in Algeria. It's very hard to, uh, to get something through in Algeria if you don't know someone um, who can help you at, at the head of state or something. Um, the country, mo uh, more than 50% of population is uh, younger than 30 years old. So it means the co the government doesn't even understand the people they are ruling because they're seventy. <laughs> exactly, exactly, and they are uh, all in uh, all in their beautiful palaces, and they do not understand uh, the young people who play football in the street. So the people are quite sad and uh, and bored with them, but they. I, what I feel is like most people now are completely disconnected from politics in Algeria and just live their lives. Mm -hmm. But it's a pity because uh, Algeria could have been at the level of South Korea today. They made agreements in the 70s to, to reach um, in bilateral, uh, bilateral uh, agreements that they would um, help each other in technologically, um, energetic, energetically and uh, financially. And they could have reached the same level today if Algeria didn't stop evolving, mm -hmm. kind of. Well, well yes, talk a little bit about that. What, how did it stop evolving? Oh, Algeria, what, what because in the in the eighties, uh, corruption uh, became higher and higher, and then in the whole nineties until the early two uh, thousands, you had the civil war mm. with two hundred thousand deaths. But um, yeah, I feel connected to this country because it's like the country of my ancestors, but I'm fully French, mm -hmm. and uh, I don't see anything else than France in my like life mm -hmm. or Europe, let's say. 
But uh, yeah, it's um, everybody that's talking about Algeria and the way it's ruled would be nostalgic or or some kind of um, uh, you know eighteenth nineteenth uh, century German romanticism, hoping for something that uh, is not here and kind of sadness of things not evolving. So like a, this is like how like a emo teenager. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's how Algerians think about the country because yes, now because they were so afraid of Arab Springs, they have been investing a lot on like social housing or transportation and uh, and social programs, but it's still 10% of what is needed in Algeria to be uh, to be the country it should be. So um, so yeah, it's some kind of uh, sadness. And um, I'm sad for them. I don't live there, I don't know, but I'm really sad for them, actually. What was their situation during the Arab Spring? Because they didn't have... Nothing happened in Algeria. Algeria. Some demonstrations for democracy, but uh, the Islamists uh, didn't try uh, to do anything. There were, like, free elections, considered by the European Commission as free, and uh, the Islamists made 12%. So it's like, uh, right, right, it's less than right extreme parties in Europe. And Islamists are right extreme. Mm -hmm, right. So, so um, it's quite good. The question is, uh, who is ruling? And this um, Liberation Front party, uh, which did everything in the independence war, just kept the power for 60 years, you know, it has not been changing any anything, and, uh, and it hasn't changed. No, 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 not so much, yeah. not so much. And we even consider that the infrastructures were better in French time than now. Mm -hmm. So um, now the Algerian government is just trying to 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 get as good as the country was uh, during French colonization. So uh, in the infrastructures, I mean. So they have so much to to um, to, to take back from um, from the time that they have done nothing, and the country is now forty million inhabitants. It was nine at the independence, so in only sixty years, it it um, it got multiplied by four. So they are just dealing with a lot of young people, uh, with a lot of money from petrol. The fact is that now it's so cheap petrol, so the budget of Algeria is is soaring and they don't know how they will handle the future because they didn't diversify their economy. Right. right. So, uh, yeah, it's some kind of a, a giant with uh, fragile feet, feet, right, you know, right. fragile ankles. And... Uh, that's a lot of, that's like the UAE as well. They yeah. Just all oil, not diversifying. Yeah. And it's gonna, exactly. it's gonna come bite them in the ass. Yeah, but the thing is like, they are putting a lot of money on, on, uh, on tourism and on luxury and uh, yeah. uh, they are a big uh, hub for, uh, for the goods, for the people, I mean the big airport. Uh, Algeria, not at all, no. you know? When that one, one try, then it's gonna be a problem. Exactly. And they are 40 million, not five or six like the, like the United uh, Arab Emirates. And can you describe the relationship between Algeria and France? Oh, uh, they have been complicated back. for a long time, but uh, especially during uh, now the presidency of Sarkozy, mm -hmm. but they are getting uh, better now with François Hollande. Sarkozy was considered as someone rude in Algeria and vulgar, 
and uh, François Hollande has uh, been there twice. François Hollande knows Algeria very well. He was interned himself in, in Algiers in the 70s. So he's considered as like more friendly. And uh, the, um, the French politicians are going to Algiers very often and they have uh, been in French industries have been investing a lot lately in Algeria. The thing is that um, the Algerian opposition is criticizing the, uh, the stance of Paris towards Algiers because uh, they consider that Paris is now supporting a government in Algiers that is dying and that is not uh, going towards more democracy. Mm -hmm. And in France, we consider that we should first try to get good contacts with Algeria before saying anything and France is the former colonizer we cannot just come and say hey guys you need Do democracy now. <laughs> it's uh, it's quite complicated stance to to um, to, uh, to to keep but uh, Algerian opposition is not so happy with the French um, with the French speech in Algeria even though it's seen in France and in Algeria as a sign of um, of good relations many French industries are investing in Algeria and some Algerian industries are investing in France. Mm -hmm. So um, it's getting better, it's getting way better, but uh, there are a lot of work still to do and uh, Algerians, many Algerians are demanding uh, official apologies from the French government for the colonization, something that is considered as what years was impossible um, in in France from uh, 1830 to 1962. Okay. Yeah. So um, yeah, we don't. Mm, I don't know if uh, they will do it. I don't think the French government is going to do it in the next ten years. But what I think is that uh, the government is still saying, yeah, we will ask. We will demand these apologies, but it's just like you know, some part of the furnitures. Like we we demand this from France, but mm -hmm. actually, they meet every month, and of course, it's not even a question. So, and how's Algeria seen differently as as opposed to the other colonies that France has had? Yes, before? yes, yes. Because Algeria was not. A, a colony oh, yeah. like the others, it was it was a real part of France. Um, the um, the civil war in Algeria that they, in Algeria they call it the Liberation War, the Freedom War. In France, it was seen as just like events happening there, and for the 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 more optimistic and the, the more pessimistic were saying it's an internal civil war because Algeria was considered as part of France as well as Normandy or or, or Brittany so um, it was no more no less than a civil war so that's why it was hard especially because you had uh, one million um, ethnically French uh, people living in Algeria born and raised there for three or four generations and uh, they considered Algeria's home which it was uh, so when all these people, so roughly, roughly one million, uh, had to leave the country in '62, um, it was uh, it was seen as a national tragedy, mm -hmm. and that's why the relations are different with other like colonies or protectorates. It seems like in the '60s there's a lot of stress in France with so you had you had uh, yeah you had this you had Vietnam you had. Uh, yeah. Well, that was the fifties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you didn't Same have to. You didn't have to relocate one million people. Right. Right. You know, 
Um, and um, Morocco and Tunisia got the independence in 54, uh, 56, I guess. Uh, and it was just a protectorate, you know. The other colonies almost got all in, in year 60, uh, except Comor in the 70s. But uh, they, they were just colonies, you know, like uh, exploitation with industry, blah, blah. And Algeria was... France, yeah. simply, simply, and that's why um, that's why it was seen as a national tragedy. In France, what what is the sort of view of how it used to be? How France used to have so many colonies, and now yeah. it's just France. Like I know in Portugal. Oh, they, they don't. I don't know. I don't think people are. Uh, I, I've never felt that. I think I feel it when I go to England because this country is living in the dream of like the nostalgia of the lost empire. But France doesn't have that? No. no. The government does. Yeah. Uh, the the elites don't. does, but the people don't. Okay. The elite does because uh, we still consider French as a world language. We still consider that we are more relevant than others. Um, and that uh, Africa is some kind of our playground, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, but the real people in the day-to-day -day life don't. Okay. Because, uh, yeah, so in like Portugal, there's a sense... Maybe not around people, but general sense that the thing, they used to be something real, and then now they're not. Uh, yeah, but the thing is, like, uh, we were something big even before colonization. Mm -hmm. You know, we didn't become great because of colonization. We were it before. That's true. Are you so, saying Portugal wasn't great? <laughs> I'm not saying anything. <laughs> but uh, so that's why people are not living in the phantasm of it. Mm -hmm. So they sort of. They see that there's so much more about France than than just the colonization. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I see. But when you say Portugal, people think, oh yeah, Brazil, uh, Brazil Angola, Mozambique, yeah. Cap Verde. And if you just think about Portugal itself, then yeah, it's like, whatever. Uh, <laughs> that's not I how I not, think. I would not say that. That's but, not how yeah. I think. But uh, <laughs> because the people don't know Portugal so well, but they will know. Yeah. They will know France. They they know France uh, for this yeah. and that. Um, but in what about England? What do you think? I, I, don't, I don't really ask, but... They, no, they, they were great so before as well, but yeah. they became what they are because of colonization. Right. You know? Like the empire where the sun never goes down, I think yeah, you and say. the sun never sets in the British Empire. Yeah, exactly. Um, when you have one quarter of the world under your rule, you become what you become. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was very early. So, uh, the... The British Empire and what it is uh, and and what it was seen as the British Empire made the British identity, and uh, but this is not the case with France, you know. Mm -hmm. And what do you feel about the future of the American Empire? <laughs> it looks like of the American Empire. American Empire <laughs> looks like to me looks looks like an empire. Smells like an empire. Mm. I don't know. First of all, I don't know because I don't care of the U.S. so much. <laughs> like, uh, I'm not such a specialist of the U.S. But I think the f now, as a European, the main issue will be this transatlantic treaty and how it will have an impact Which on one? Uh, yeah. regulations. Like the one that is right now secretly um, negotiated between Washington and Brussels, no. the TAFTA. TAFTA Treaty, TTIP, yes. Okay. What do you uh, think about that? Oh, I'm, I'm against, I'm Me against the TTIP. Okay. 
I consider that um, it's a synchronization by the bottom, from the bottom, and uh, I cannot agree with the question of uh, any some, kind of people, private justice. Maybe people don't know what that is. Do you want to explain? Oh, what you, no, what no, you no, 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 it's, it's even complicated it's for very me, complicated. but like... Um, I cannot accept that a state would be a, would be uh, prejudiced uh, in front of a court because of a company uh, considering that its profits were uh, undermined by a local policy. regulation right. or policy. And um, I think we have reached a certain level of uh, consumer protection in Europe and uh, environment protection that That's, could be destroyed yeah. or at least um, framed by uh, some kind of agreement with a country where regulation is a joke. Yeah. And uh, I think as it is right now, the, the, the regulations of the European Union are pretty excellent. And This is why I don't want it to change. Yeah, and the United States, it's pretty shitty and shady and unhealthy and bad for the environment, bad for the people, and lying to the people. And this is something that could spread to the European Union. If exactly, the is, exactly. And that's why I thought about it when you talked about the American empire. Right. I do not want us to be even more uh, under American influence. We are already too much. Mm -hmm. Do you but think it's too much uh, under NATO? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm completely against NATO, mm -hmm. but I should not say that, I guess. But yeah, <laughs> Working I'm, at the French embassy. Exactly. <laughs> but uh, I'm an anti-NATO person, mm -hmm. definitely. I'm for a European uh, army, a European defense and uh, strategic autonomy. Uh, it's not uh, con. It's not against the U.S. that I said that. It's just that I'm pro-Europe. Right. I'm not against the U.S. Yeah, I, I don't hate the U.S. and just I love Europe. I more. really think Europe needs to to uh, be autonomous. Have, yes, have, and, its, have uh, its own competence. Not always ask Washington for what to do right. or uh, expect an answer or an email from Washington to uh, decide what policy we will uh, implement mm -hmm. to, um, in security issues. So, um, yeah, I, it's already too much for me, this. I consider that Americans should not have bases in Europe anymore and that we should be autonomous on this. And if added to the security question, you have the consumer protection that would be undermined, uh, the, um, the environmental protection that would be completely destroyed, it, I don't want, we would be just other states of the US. And this is, for me, something unacceptable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, also for me, unacceptable. It's it's really terrible. And Please also, like, leave us alone. We, <laughs> we like you, but like not your policy. <laughs> I I feel the same way. Um, and also they have the uh, TPP, which is the Pacific version. Yeah, exactly, thing. exactly. And so it's looking like it's going to happen. Which yes, is shitty. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and this know, one is even. Do you know the timetable of both no, of these? No, no, no. I think it's also uh, a secret. So. I think like it will be within uh, two years. Jesus. Uh, that the, the negotiations will will go through, but then for the real implementation, I have no idea. Do you know who who it is? Who is it that's actually doing these negotiations? Well, it's very it's very Secret. problematic because uh, the the European Parliament uh, gave uh, a mandate, and I mean the, um, the the capital cities of the different countries of the European Union, so the different governments, plus the European Parliament, gave a mandate to the European Commission to uh, to make the negotiations uh, on behalf of the year, on the whole of the whole European Union. So it's under the European Commission. Yes. Wow. The thing is, like uh, for example, right in front of us at the American Embassy, you have a, a reading room, 
where you can get uh, you have to register and you can get uh, to the room where you can uh, read uh, the papers only two hours per week and there are like 1400 pages so in so, there in there they yeah, have yeah, copies yeah. of of the of, uh, of uh, the some negotiations uh, about the TTIP so we're looking at it right now exactly. in that building they have exactly they have but the all. thing is that uh, it's very complicated and it's only two hours per week, two people, something like this. You know? And it has to, you have to be approved it's, to even go inside. Yes, <laughs> so it seems like uh, it's obvious that they are blocking. It's, it's so obvious that it becomes obnoxious that they do not want us mm -hmm. to, to see what's happening in there. And, uh, and we, some journalists at the press conference of the Chancellery uh, last week even complained by the fact that uh, it, it why is it at the American embassy and not at the official delegation of the European Union? Because they have a building and it should be in this building because we are in Europe and it's our commission mandated to, to negotiate Wait, on so behalf of not, us. It's not in Brussels? It is, it is, but I mean, here we can see some papers, right but it's here. in the American embassy and not at the official building of the delegation of European Union. Right, right. And the journalists ask, like, why is it there uh, and not like in the in our building? And they just answered something. Yeah, no, it's just answered like, yeah, it was practical question of whatever. So uh, it's it's very dark, it's yeah. very secret. Nobody has real information about how it's really going on, and many people are afraid that the social democrats will anyway vote it and uh, that we will not get any clue of what has been voted right uh, also you're not allowed to read it i think for there's a number of years on it the official document of ttip uh, you the the citizens i think even um, representatives and uh, ministers will not be able to read it until a few years after it's been implemented <laughs> It's a democratic scandal. I think so too. I don't know why. And, um, and a lot of people don't know about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Germany, once again, is uh, is fully aware of the debate and the protests are here huge compared to yes. other countries in Europe. And uh, I get updates on my Facebook from, uh, what's it called? Ah, oh, jeez. There's a German group that's always, like, they're like, uh, always against this and that. And yeah. Fuck, I don't remember what it's called. But yeah, they post all the time about TTIP. So, again, here. So we will see what will happen. We have to wait for news from Commission. Yeah. We still don't know. We know nothing. Don't know. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, I guess you have to get back to work soon. So yeah. we'll end this soon. Yeah, yeah this go now. back to France, officially, <laughs> technically, geographically. geographically. Even my IP address is French, you yeah? know? Yeah, uh, I'm cool. really in France inside. What are the benefits of uh, being on French soil while you're in... Inside. Germany? Oh. Uh, first of all, it's always a pleasure to be home. And I love my country, so it's nice to be in France. <laughs> so when you're in France. And I'm just with French colleagues, uh -huh. except one maybe, I don't know. So uh -huh. it's cool to yeah. just speak French all the mm -hmm. time. I mean, I speak German, but it's cool to, to be with colleagues uh, from my country. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, it's very interesting. Interesting internship with interesting people. And very inspiring. Mm -hmm. Very inspiring. It seems like for the first time you're working every day with people who actually understand what you're talking about right. and you understand what they are talking about. Mm -hmm. So it's really, really inspiring. Nice. All right, well, I'll let you get back to work, but we'll see each yep. other soon. Yeah.
thank you for being on my show. Thank you. You're my second <laughs> Berlin podcast episode. Yeah. So, yeah. So thanks. You're welcome. And we will be back next time with a new episode. Thanks for listening, everyone. See you soon.